from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Who knew? Who knew John Isner had the greatest serve in the history of the game? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, who knew Federer would win this tournament? It was shocking. Hey, you be- don't uh, give away the, the, the prize there. <laughs> Golly. Well, notice this week, I wait, we waited to record till the outcome was over, so I couldn't ruin it right, improperly. Right back to where we were before, and it's not good. Yeah. Well, oh, by the way, welcome to the Tennis Revolution <laughs> Podcast. We just start talking and hit record. We don't even wait. Uh, we were actually talking before we hit record, and I was like, oh, I got to hit the button. Hold on. <laughs> so are you, gold. Do you understand what I'm saying about the greatest serve ever? Well. Do you, why I said that? No, I don't, actually. Somebody asked Roger Federer about Isner's serve and how to deal with it and all the rest of it, leading into their anticipated matchup. <laughs> In the Miami final, and he said it's the great, it's the best serve in the history of the game. Well, and if you're just talking about the serve only, I think that's potentially accurate. The most effective serve of all time. I mean, if you're talking about the toughest person to return against, it's probably not accurate. But if you're talking about just the, like, if you only had to go out and return the serve and get it back in play, and that's it, that would probably be the hardest. Yeah. So I mean, not just because of the speed, but the angle. Yeah, but I, you know, I thought his serve was actually off most of this tournament, um, because he got broken twice against Felix, and he and Felix just choked both sets. That's Whoa, why he was able boy, to win. Did you see that? That was I. I love him already. Wow! But it was hard to love him after that match. That was tough. Um, well, that's why you know, you you see a player play for a week, and now you crown him. Right. You know, and give it a minute. This is a hard, hard game. You're out there all alone, and it's such a tough game physically, but also psychologically. And clearly, that's what got FAA. Well, and we've actually seen tons of players that their serve kind of breaks down playing Isner because you, you're focused so much on trying to get his serve back that you kind of lose it when you get... It was just weird that he was serving ahead, so you would think there'd be no pressure at all both those occasions well there's pressure because you know there's no chance you're going to break him yeah except you did (laughs) well that's what i mean if you're serving at four all and have a game like that i could totally understand but to serve five four i guess you just he just relaxed maybe because he just broke so he's thinking oh i've got this in the bag and yeah that that was painful yeah it was tough and the first game is but the first set one especially i was pretty i i was i mean again this this uh, podcast is supposed to be all about American tennis, right? <laughs> well, except we want to have a podcast. Well, yeah, exactly. But I was pretty fired up when he broke him because I know how difficult that is. Yeah, and you know, seemingly the only the only person that can really make a dent on anybody's big serve like that is Feder, right? Because he's the smartest returner in the game right now. Maybe not the history, but now, <laughs> even against the best serve in history. Yeah, how about that? Hey, John, great serve, <laughs> but I'm still going to... I broke you three times, yeah. but you're the best server in history. Golly! And 
Now, the grand this was Wimbledon, but so he and Roddick played four sets. And what did he break Roddick once or twice in the whole match? That was a five setter when he. Yeah. But I mean, he may have only broken him once in the entire match. Oh, right. right maybe right. twice. And he just broke Isner three times in two sets. Um, I'm telling you, Andy, <laughs> come back. Tennis needs you. You would be top. I'm telling you, I. Call me crazy. Call in if you don't think I'm right. <laughs> Andy Roddick would be top 20 right now. Top 30, not top 20. And when you say right now, you meant after he trained. You'd yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. I mean, in this day and age. Right. Well, and... And you know what? I'm guilty. I didn't appreciate him back right, then. Right, And so I'm saying it now. Well, and I thought you were going to come in with a different angle that, oh, we got exactly what you've always said. We've got the next, next gen outperforming the next gen which completely happened in this tournament throughout the entire thing i mean the next gen players were pretty much non-existent and the next next gen were yeah all going deep and i think it's still hmm, at the risk of being self-serving if you will uh i i still think that the next next gen still has room to develop and so it's okay if they don't just do everything. You know what I mean? Against right. the big three. Well, and I did hear on that. You'll have to say if you agree with this because I was pretty skeptical about it. But somebody Did on, you come up with it or you <laughs> no. agree? Okay, then I might agree. Okay, Someone on the it. broadcast, one of the broadcasts said that, you know, sometimes when you're in an era when everybody's just struggling to break through, it makes it harder for you to break through. Well, because we've had young players winning right now, it's been really motivating all the other players. Now, unfortunately... Due to some technical difficulties, I've had to get rid of my entire soundboard. <laughs> I mean, the soundboard's still there, but all the clips on the soundboard. Yes. But I would have hit the one that said, look at the big brain on Brad <laughs> from Pulp Fiction fame, of course, because I'm assuming that was, was that Brad Gilbert's nonsense? I actually don't think it was. I think it was one of the ladies. Um, oh, in that case, they're right. But I don't want to be sexist. I just thought that was a really convenient excuse for like all the players for the last 10 years, why they haven't been winning is because no one else, no one did it first. So that's why the others didn't do it. Yeah. I didn't really understand that argument because either you're good enough or you're not. I mean, I do agree that you can be motivated by other people's success, but at some point you're going to break through if you have the talent and the, the skills. Yeah. If if no one broke through for a certain period of time and then somebody did and then everybody did, you can look back and say, oh, okay. So they were all young and developing and didn't know what they were capable of until they saw somebody do it. But for how long? When did Andy <laughs> Roddick retire? How long ago? Oh, I mean, honestly. Probably six, five or six years at least. Yeah, and I mean... He's the last real consummate threat. I don't know what that word means. Yeah. He's a consistent threat. Oh, he's the only one, the only American that has been in contention for a major in the last probably 15 years. I mean, Isner made the semis of Wimbledon and lost by two games there was no chance he was going to win that final ever because Anderson could barely move in the final. There's no way Isner could have. Yeah. I mean, I guess if he holds serve and wins three tie breaks, you know, but well, Isner to win a grand slam has to have two strategically placed walkovers, <laughs> not just one. He has to have two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of them being the final. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not nice. That is absolutely not nice. <laughs> Semis and final. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I still think that if he got the right situation, he, I'm not going to say he could win a slam, but he could make it again to a semi or a final. It 20, might even, might even need a rain delay. Or, seven years ago, he retired. Tw- 2012. Jeez. Roddick did. And he's still younger than Federer, who just won the Masters. There's no doubt in my mind he would be top 30. And that might be, don't punch me in the face, Andy, if you see me. Uh, maybe I'm selling you short, but I have no doubt you'd be top 30. Golly, that <laughs> sucks. Right, well, are we going to have to adopt the Canadians? That's the only solution I, I have. I did. All right, so let me, let me tell you how far I'll go to have a quote-unquote legitimate team or player or group of players to follow, okay? So I'm a fan, and don't hate me for this, but I'm <laughs> a fan of English Premier League soccer. Okay. All right? Which they call football because they're stupid. <laughs> Even though you use only your feet. Right. That, you use <laughs> mainly you your do. hands. Yeah. So, listen, whatever. We're America. <laughs> we win. So, I am following the the league in general over there, English Premier League Soccer. That's their NFL of soccer, if you will. That's my expertise. That's it. <laughs> I did play soccer in second grade. Really? Okay. Yep second grade a couple years ago so <laughs> uh so now i am a i'm your average everyday white fellow all right which means most likely my heritage is from the british isles i don't think We're that's deep a this week. controversial stretch there <laughs> so and now to prove that i did my ancestry dna <laughs> and well doggone it it's true by the way, have you? I just read an article recently that said all those websites are fraudulent. If you do it, like, if you do it at like ten different sites, you'll get ten different results. Well, maybe one of them's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Law of averages, but the percentages will be totally different depending on right. which site you use. Well, how about this then? I uh, I went went to the ancestry dot com part where they have the family tree. Oh, there you go. And uh, uh, my aunt, yes, I said aunt, not <laughs> aunt, because I speak the king's English. <laughs> so my aunt, pronounced like it's spelled, right. A-U-N-T, uh, did the genealogy of my maternal side. So my mom, it's her sister. Yeah. And so on up. And so we got back to the 1800s. And there was somebody in the town of Swansea, Wales, okay, United Kingdom. Now Swansea is the is the town or the city. And as I asked uh, at that time, this was ten years ago, seven years ago, I did this, or, and and so I came into my college, I, you know, college coach, and I went to my college soccer coach and said, "Hey." Does Swansea have a soccer team? And he looked at me like I was an idiot because he said everybody has a soccer team. So every little hamlet across the UK has a soccer team. So I said, oh, okay. So then I, I, I did the research, which wasn't difficult with the internet, and they have a team, and ultimately they were promoted into the Premier League like a year and a half later. So now they're in the NFL. They weren't before, but you, okay. can, you can win your way into the top league, for those that don't know, right. in soccer, which is the most American thing about that dumb country. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to call it dumb if you're from there. So <laughs> so now they're in the NFL of the soccer over there, and I'm watching it 
regularly and able to keep up with them. Right. Well, they got relegated. So they lost. They were in the bottom three, and they got dropped down to the next below league, which is very difficult to get coverage over here of the next league down. And it goes down even more. There's like nine or 12 or 17 different tiers. Right. And so they're just in the second one down, but it's still hard to find. So I thought to myself, well, wait a second. That relative from Swansea was the first level of relative that I found that wasn't born and died in America. Right. So that was the first. And this one was born in Swansea, or he lived in, uh, born in Swansea and moved, and he died in Pittsburgh. Okay. Pennsylvania, not Ireland. (laughs) And so... I was like, wait a second. Nah, let's go back. There's got to be a better... I've got to have a relative from a better city <laughs> with a better team. So, uh, so now apparently my aunt's been at this for quite some time. Cause, so I start going back. Right. And back. 1700s. Wow. 1600s. <laughs> That's amazing. 1500s. 13, 12, 11. I got back to... Wait for it. <laughs> 559 Adam and Eve AD <laughs> That's a pretty amazing. Now apparently the trick to ancestry.com or any family tree genealogy is once you hit any level of royalty the records are pretty good. Oh, that's where we're going. This is where this is all leading. I'm a king. <laughs> I'll be mo- I, I'm going to discontinue the podcast unless Corey's willing to fly over every Sunday <laughs> to the castle. Oh yeah, no no problem. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, all right. So I got back to um, the five, I don't even know what you call it, like the 1500s, but there, it's the 500s. <laughs> I, I, is that what you call it? Yeah, the 6th century 500s. Is that thing. what it is? I never yeah. understood. They always get mixed up. <laughs> all right. So I get all the way back to the kingdom of Northumbria. You heard of it? That sounds familiar, actually. No way. There's no it chance. It does. Umbria, there's and there's no. another one that sounds similar. Really? Or maybe that's just a, maybe that's some kind of comedy. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Umbria and Humbria or something that sounds familiar. No, there's not. An, I, there might be another one. I wouldn't know. I took Anglo-Saxon history in college, just so you know. Did so you I'm really? very well-versed in the old. <laughs> I did, but that's can't be why I know that. What a loser. <laughs> so North Umbria... I guess, but there's also, I, I, I think it's Northumberland now, and it's up in the northern part bordering Scotland, but it's northern part of the UK, what's now the UK, which includes Newcastle, Okay, which has a team. Right, I've heard of that. So as of literally today, I'm a Newcastle fan. <laughs> so... You asked me, should we adopt Canada? Oh, hell, they border the U.S. I'm Canadian, baby. <laughs> For purposes of my fandom, Even I'm pretty we're su- so far away from Canada. I'm pretty sure somewhere along the line. We were in Canada. No, I've got oh. a relative that ruled over Canada. So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and we're going to accept your, your uh, request and we're going to now follow Canadian as North American. Yeah. So we're North American tennis fans. What do you want from me? Well, and Felix is the only one of them that's actually Canadian, I think. I think that Shapovalov was, was somewhere else. and 
Really? Valov? You think yeah, so? Yeah, Andreescu was oh, really? Russian, I think. Who knew? <laughs> and Raonic was say, Eastern European. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's just how sad things have gotten here. So my point being is I'm a Newcastle fan and a Canadian tennis fan. <laughs> so I have now taken that over. So we'll, we'll no longer be talking about American players. We'll be talking about North American players <laughs> on this podcast. Um, Maximo yeah. Gonzalez from Mexico. No, I don't think he's Mexican. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I mean, should we be should we be in here celebrating because we had an American in the final? We certainly would have accepted that going in. All right. So yes, of course, of course, we should be celebrating. We had an American in the final, and as usual, as per usual on this podcast, we should also be bothered by the fact that he got destroyed. <laughs> By Federer. I mean, destroyed. He literally played every single set except one was 7-6. Yeah, until the last two. Until Right, until the finals. (laughs) But that And that basically means that he made the final because he didn't play Federer sooner. He could have been in the other section and played him in the quarters. Right. And gotten smashed. And Federer beat other people, but he didn't smash them like that. Man. He beat Anderson, similar. But he actually seemed like he got better every match. Well, that just goes to show you that... He is the only one that is smart enough to just get balls back. I mean, even even Nadal is trying to swing through returns. Right. And now, granted, his grip and all the in his game uh, lend itself more to that than Federer. I mean, Federer's got a little more variety and ability on that with the slice and you know the one-hander and the rest of it but uh and so he's able to do that i guess better but it just shows you that if you're the better player except for one (laughs) singular thing then why don't you try to get to the rest of your game right instead of trying to battle him on the battleground of the serve return well i'm not saying that pros don't think this way but i've they don't taught people that have struggled with a return and i tell them only think about one thing in this point get the return in play after that you can react to whatever else happens but if you start thinking about what you're gonna do after the return you're gonna miss the return and i feel like that's how the guys play against him they try to do something with the return it's like just get it back and then play for the next shot because the next shot he hits isn't gonna be as good as the one he just hit well and more importantly they try to do that on everything actually yeah, right everybody serves i mean nobody's you know six ten or whatever he is 611 with the Bass Pro Shops hat. But everybody's got a big serve. All the men have a big serve. Right. And it's, you know, and even, you know, not everybody like, you know, Ferrer or somebody does it. But, you know, by and large, everybody that's six foot and above right. has a pretty solid enough serve where it's it's not smart always to just try to tee off. Yeah. And they do that. And so they, they try to, but they try to do that against everyone. And, but not fetter. Right. So, and I think if you're a pro player and you get a racket on a ball, you should make that ball 90% of the time, even on a return. Cause if you were able to get in front of it fast enough to hit it, I wish we had a producer. <laughs> I wish, or I wish we had the wherewithal to do research because I guarantee you the, the percentage of unforced errors, errors in this era, <laughs> uh, compared to the greatest era, which was the nineties. I guarantee you, the percentage of unforced errors now is is higher and probably I would guess I would hope 
but I would guess by a, a pretty good margin. Well, and I think if Fetter, let's say Isner stays exactly the same, which obviously not realistic, but let's say he stays exactly the same and he played Fetter in eight years, I think Fetter would still have the edge on him because Isner still wouldn't be able to break him. And Fetter is going to get, you know, just a couple returns back when he needs to and get a chance for a break. Right. It's just, uh, and I'm sure Isner has beaten him before, but the amount of times he's lost to a big server in his career, I mean, is pretty astounding. He's probably lost three or four matches total to big servers, which is crazy. And whereas guys like Isner or Djokovic, I mean, uh, Nadal and Djokovic, they don't want to play those big servers. Nadal especially. Right. Um, that's, a, in fact, a match I always like to watch when Nadal plays one of those guys because it's a struggle for him, you can tell. Well, and if and if he had a little more variety on his grip and, and could do some more with it, it might not be. Because, again, who's better starting from a neutral point than him off the ground besides, you know, either at times Federer and, you know, in a large amount of the time, Djokovic. Yeah. And, and so it's crazy that these people don't just try to get to that – that position in a point getting to neutral and then going from there drives me crazy well and i think isner does the opposite he tries to start the point when he's returning and he doesn't he's the one that doesn't need to be doing that right he needs to be going for everything and and uh i mean i would i don't know if he had a break opportunity today i would guess not but it's uh against fetter he probably knows immediately when he gets broken that the set's over yeah yeah they said he broke. By the way, they said that Isner breaks serve 13% of the time, which is so low, and they said that was a 2% increase from last year. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. I mean, that's... Not good. That's, you know... But it just... It, it, listen. Less than once a set. I think people might bristle at the idea of him having the best serve ever or most effective or however you want to, you know, characterize it. But if you separate it completely out from right. everything then yes. Yeah. And guess what? It has nothing to do with anything other than he's six, I mean, uh, almost seven feet tall. Yeah. He's 6'10". Yeah, because if you talk about like service hold percentage, I bet Djokovic and all Federer are all in the top 10. Well, Djokovic and all don't have two two of the top 20 serves in the game, but they just can manipulate the point once the serve is in. Which is why he can win Miami, you know, from time to time. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, and get far, but everything else is is so far away from that the level of what his serve is. Clearly, if it's the best ever, according to Federer, who just demolished it. <laughs> but um, yeah, he two walkovers. I he, did feel bad that he made a Masters final and he lost points from last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's got to be kind of a depressing week. I mean, he's basically he has got to. Win the first two rounds, this first two rounds of a major, uh, first three straight sets, maybe, you know. Problem is, I think if he has any five-setter, he's done. That's what I'm saying. So straight sets for the first three, a walkover in the fourth, <laughs> maybe the fifth, maybe. So maybe he could have a walkover in the third round and then play two more and have a walkover into the final. Yeah, and he usually plays doubles in all these majors, too. It's like you cannot walk when you get to your last match. Why are you out there playing doubles also? Well, not, he never gets to his last match. Not that he, he doesn't last that long in doubles either, but still. Right. Well, I uh, again, it's easy to sit here in the confines of the studio and say what he should and shouldn't do, but uh, the other side of it is I'm right. 
Uh, and it's not it's, well. It's not impossible to see. It's not like you don't have to be the tennis genius that I am to to figure it out. I mean, you watch him play a tough, you know, three setter in a regular tournament, seven six six seven seven six, and by the end of it, he is just dragging. Right. No, and, he was actually dragging even the Auger match. He was like in the end of the second set, moving pretty slow, and that was two sets. And he hadn't split sets the whole tournament. I mean, if you're going to be at your absolute best, there's one characteristic you need to have. There's a lot of characteristics, but what I'm saying is one of them is you can't lie to yourself. <laughs> you can't. Right. You have to have an honest honest assessment of all aspects of your game, physically, mentally, psychologically. You have to have all of that. Well, and we talked about and I don't think he does. He must not. There's no chance he does if he's trying to compete and play every return game uh, as if you know he's up a break point the whole time. Well, and I think I talked about this a little bit on the show where I talked to myself the whole time. But I riveting, by the way. <laughs> to me, there's no worse feeling than going into a match and knowing that you cannot outlast your opponent. In my opinion, and that is every match that Isner plays, literally. Yeah. There's not a match he plays where he's in better shape than his opponent. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously he's used to it by now because that's every match, but <laughs> that was one thing I remember just noticing as I got older. is like, wow, I cannot win just by staying out here all day. Whereas Nadal, he still probably can outlast almost every player except for Djokovic. And a lot, you can just, a lot of them, sure. And you can just yeah. say, I'm going to rally. Even Ferrer at 35 or whatever he's, he, he even, I could tell he thought that when he went deep in this tournament. He's like, I know if I rally with Zverev, he's going to miss before I do. Right. And not even necessarily from a physical standpoint, just a rally standpoint. And I can't think of any American player right now who can out-rally any player in the top 10. Well, if by rally you mean a big serve, <laughs> then it's over. I mean, technically. Yeah, you don't need to rally. But I'm saying just, right. to me, one of the things I need going into a match to have confidence about the outcome is that I can out-rally the other person. And obviously there's different ways to play and you serve in volleyers and that kind of thing, but I just think of all the American players, nobody plays that way. You would think we just have one or two that play that way, and they don't. Sloane Stevens is maybe the closest. Yeah. Yeah, she can. So, well, um, you know, aside from just talking about how pitiful American tennis is based on the result in the finals with the greatest player ever. <laughs> greatest player ever versus greatest server ever. It should have been 7-6, 6-7, 7-6. So... Um, some other key things. Uh, I mean, I, clearly, Djokovic not winning means everything. He's he's done. It's over. <laughs> it's over for him. I don't I, know. I will say I'm less confident about your slash our prediction after these last two tournaments. I'm more confident because you think he's like still fresh. More confident. Yeah. I, this again. I I I think it's a little bit overstated to say to say that these guys don't care about this tournament yeah that's a little overstated but it's not they're not gutted when they yeah. lose like they would be at a grand slam well prime example Nadal didn't care because he didn't play if he had to play this tournament I'm sure he could have right um if it was that important to him so you know so yeah so I do think it's a little bit a bit much to say they don't care but at the same time it means nothing 
Yeah. When they it, it, when they lose, it means nothing. And so he's going to be a little more fresh starting the clay court season. He's going to wear himself out. Hopefully he, you know, monitors his schedule well. And I do not come off my prediction one bit with the fact that, first of all, what's more likely to happen, a Joker slam? Because this was the original question. Joker slam right. or a next-gen, or I'll even say next, I'll throw next next-gen in. Anybody that's not big three or big four. Right. Um, Basically anybody who's not already won a slam. Right. So new slam winner or Joker slam, which one's more likely? That was the original. Yeah. And I elevated it to, or escalated my pick <laughs> to Joker's going to, he is going to win the slam. Right. So I'm all in. Well, and I think that the draw is actually going to have a lot to do with that. I mean, if Nadal and team get stuck in the same half and they have to play in the semi, that's going to be a brutal match. Whereas if Djokovic gets Federer or whoever, that's that is going to favor him big time in the final. Yeah. So and that I mean Djokovic and all are, I think they're still one two, so they're not going to play in the semis no matter what. So that's what uh, whoever plays team in the semis is going to have a big disadvantage in the final. Yeah, I mean, who know, and team could beat him to go to the final. Who knows? Yeah, it's possible, but of course, uh, like I said, no matter what happens, I'm still all in. Until, well, if he loses in the first round, then maybe, <laughs> maybe I won't pick Djokovic. Right. If Djokovic loses. But, uh, so anyway. So, outside of the final, outside of Djokovic, because, again, for me, picking him to win the whole thing, uh, the, the Grand Slam, and he loses in this one, so that's sort of a story for that reason. I mean, I think maybe the other story would be... Zverev's fantastic performance. Oh God, it was. I mean, is that <laughs> is that the next biggest story in terms of? Uh, well, I thought you I might go this... Tiafo, just you know, making a Masters quarter. But again, that's only a story because he's American, and I don't see him as a future American star, even though he's already ranked in the top thirty. Right. But no, I mean Zverev. To me, it's hard for that to be a story when we've seen it so many times. Like the Zverev thing. Like to me, I've. I've top story is something you didn't expect to happen like nothing about that surprised me right surprised me he lost to Ferrer but didn't surprise me he lost early well I guess I guess I would say then a surprise to some because I do think it is a surprise to some yeah people keep thinking he's going to be the next big thing and I mean I don't know what outside of his ranking literally if you took the ranking away I don't think anybody would be talking about him as the next big thing it's just because they see that two or three next to his name and they think, how oh can, man. How can people not see that and not agree that this is hashtag weakest hair? <laughs> I still don't. I want to see the numbers. I still don't know how he's number three. He loses early every tournament. He's cheating. <laughs> he's cheating. <laughs> I mean, I guess when you play every tournament, you're going to get some points. I guess. But I mean, I mean, I think he won one Masters at the end or end of the summer or end of fall. I don't know how he is still... He's gotten one Grand Slam quarter in his career. I mean, how do you have that many points where you're ahead of Federer? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't either. And then he loses first round. No, he's number two or three seed next tournament. Like, how does that happen? Well, uh, first of all, it has a lot to do with the fact that he's probably lost in a, a lot of early rounds, so he's not losing points. Yeah, true. And, and so, and you know, and Federer has been 
botting in his schedule for so long that it's who knows. And you know, if it, I just want to race anyway, so this all this whole system I don't like. But oh, if we were using the race, he would probably wouldn't be in the top eight. Right, he'd be down there with Jack Sock playing doubles. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So all right. So that maybe is not a big story because this podcast, in any event, thinks that's what should happen and will happen. Yeah. So I guess. I mean, FAA, it's hard not to look at the disappointment of of him just falling apart on those two service games. Yeah. But, I mean, one of them, I think he double th- faulted three times he, in one he game. He did. Three Ouch. out of four points. Ouch. And all three in the net, too, which was yes. even worse. So, But would you have felt bad, like, if he lost 7-6, seven, 7-6, six, seven, six, I would have had no problem with that. Well, here's what I was going get, to get to, is that actually, if you step back for a second and take away the emotion of feeling the pain with him. He's like, he just broke the best server in the history of the game. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Not the best server, the best serve. Right. Because server means you hold. <laughs> serve means you right. hit a serve. Um, but that's still a daunting task for anyone except Federer yeah. and Djokovic. And and he did it and then gave it right back. And right. that was a bummer. Um, but if you step back from that emotion that you were feeling while you're watching it, I think that's a pretty big story. I mean, what do you expect from a kid? That's the best he's ever done. And he's about, he started thinking about the finish line. There's no question. Right. He just did the undoable, which is break the big man, Isman, or whatever <laughs> Brad Gilbert calls him. <laughs> and, and so now he's like, all I have to do is hold and I can hold this thing out. And he does it because he saw the finish line and he started getting outside himself. And when well, I looked him up recently, I think he had never beaten a top hundred player coming into this year, and the last he's like ten and three in his last thirteen matches against top hundred players or wow. something. I mean, so yeah, is there number seven or eight in the world or whatever? So that was still a big step, but I think ninety nine of the top hundred guys, if they're serving for the setting, it's Isner. They're gonna hold. Certainly, one of the two they're gonna yeah, hold. But maybe not both. But he's twelve, and this yeah, is all he's ever new, done it before. All new. So now here's the real key, though. If he's in that position again, has he learned from it? Right. Uh, has he pulled something from uh, his experience here that's going to get him over that hump next time? And I hope so, because well, I, I am a fan of his. Uh, I am too, and he's so young, he's got plenty of time. I mean, he's gone farther than anybody else that age for so long, that, you know, right. so he's got a long way to go. Wait a minute. Seats a pass. Finals yeah. and doubles. <laughs> By the way, I did watch that final. once again. Sitsa Pass is not a double specialist by any no. means, and he made it to the finals. Right. I'm with a saying. with an unknown player as I'm his just, partner. I'm just saying. I will say though, he of the top singles players I've seen in doubles, he's one of the better ones. Fair enough. Uh, I did watch and he, you know, he poached and he, you know, made some good put away volleys, that kind of thing. So he looks like he's played some doubles. I don't know when he has, but he had a little more doubles game than some of these others that just power everything. Right. Fair enough. So, so would you say that FAA is the other biggest story besides Federer getting a... Yeah, I mean, people tried to make it a Canadian, you know, Shapovalov FAA, but Shapovalov, that wasn't a surprise because we already knew he was good. Right. I think FAA And we was, knew FAA was good. We just hadn't seen it yet, and so it was good to see him. Well, there was... I was surprised. There's several people I knew that said they had not heard of him going into this tournament. What? Which kind of surprised me, yeah, because well, he's now top do, fifty. They don't do a podcast, <laughs> but you think about it, fifty. There's a lot of the top fifty that 
Nah, I probably know them all, but I don't. Well, know you know, them. he has to qualify the next tournament. Well, because he qualified they for this one, yeah. They, yeah, they don't count the rankings. Forty-two days in advance. I heard. How have we never heard about that and complained? <laughs> you have to. You, your seating comes forty-two it's days. Twenty nineteen, people. We have the internet. <laughs> 40, I mean... The computer can do it like that. I thought it would be like 14 days or a week. It's 42 days. That's I mean, absurd. It's He's going to be in qualifying for the next two weeks. That's absurd. It's ridiculous. Um, Yeah, I had never... I knew there was some waiting period. Like I said, I thought it was a week or two. And I heard that. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Um, And why would a tournament want him in qualifying? You don't want him to risk going out and qualifying. You want him in the main draw when people are coming to watch and paying. So let me ask you a question. Another big story of this tournament. The jackassery of one Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> How do you feel about all his antics throughout this tournament? I love the antics. I hate him. That's what I always <laughs> that's what I always say. Well, here here's the here's the the brass tacks <laughs> of it, if you will. If we don't want him in the sport, then people have to beat him enough to where he can't be in the sport. Right. That's it. And as long as he has the ability to be where he's at based on the current system, then he deserves to be there. I don't care if he acts like an idiot, hits underhand serves, and all the rest Argues of it. Argues with fans. Argues with fans. He just, too bad. He's in it. And like I said, I don't know, you know, I guess my summation of him from the neck up is now that he's it seemingly has accepted his bad boy role, is it going to help? Eh, guess not. Uh, <laughs> he got beat by Born of George. Um, well, and who is top 12 in the world? No, no, I agreed, agreed, agreed. But still, you know, he's well, so, and so talented. What I think that the world needs to stop doing is stop trying to make everybody play by this code. Just don't like the people that don't. Like, it's okay if someone doesn't follow the code. Well, then don't like those people. Or don't be indifferent. Those yeah. Just watch the tennis and let all the officials and the, the people in the game handle the game. Right. Like, oh, he did underhand serve. Okay. And now I don't like him. And, you know. I'm indifferent on that. I'm absolutely indifferent. I've got zero problem with that. I'm sorry. It's within the rules. It's, it's no different than if, if I come in you know, you try to hit a drop shot or, so, or drop volley, you're at the net, you try to hit a drop volley that sits way up, and I come in and I tag you with right. it. That's, that's, listen, you can say unwritten rules all you want, but that's one of the reasons baseball gets on my nerves on this unwritten <laughs> crap. Either it's a rule or it's not. Right. And if I'm allowed to hit the ball within the play... Now, if you're on the bench, on a changeover, and I wail a ball at your face, <laughs> well, then I'll be DQ'd. I right. got it. But within the lines of the court... It's it's all go. No, I think like in the Nadal match, I was fine with it when Nadal was ten feet behind the baseline. When I when I didn't like it was when he essentially did it as like a fake. You know, it was like the other guy wasn't. Ex- well, and of course, you're not expecting. It, that's the point. But I mean, like when you line up to serve normally and you do it, it's like a it's like trickery as opposed to just a drop shot. If you had an amazing slice that they can't get to because it was that amazing, great. But to like do it when they're not ready, that's to me a little bit different. Or get ready. <laughs> That's your responsibility as a return. Yeah, get ready. true. So there you have it. Like I said, you've got a chair official, you've got a ton of umpire uh, officials on the court, and you have a tournament supervisor. They they can handle all all the inside the lines nonsense. The rest of it. Now I'm not saying I'm a fan and I'm going to coach all my players to be just like him. Right. No chance. <laughs> but. I'm not getting all my panties in a bunch 
worrying about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you gain any fans by doing that, for sure. Maybe. But you do gain, you know, YouTube views and, you know, mentions, and I think that's what he cares about. He'll gain fans because, like I said. The people that already like him? No. He's been trying to walk a fake line. Now he said, "I'm forget it. I'm right. all in being me. Yeah. And so now that will bring some people to say, all right, well, this is who he is. Now I can... Oh, I would love for him to embrace that. Yeah, I think he is. I think he's starting to. Yeah, I. To me, that's one thing that's been missing from tennis. Like, I'm, I'm so tired of. Oh, he's the greatest server ever. He's the greatest player ever. Oh, he's the greatest on clay. He's great. How about he sucks and I want to beat him? Like, or how about that? Here's what. Here's. (laughs) So, I have no problem with players talking to each other during matches. I would love to see a little more. You know Ray Lewis kind of not murder. Right. Um, I don't know what he did. I can't remember. Well, no, he covered up. A, he <laughs> covered up for a buddy with yeah. a murder is what he was supposedly did. Um, but you know that smack talk, that Shannon Sharp kind of you know. Well, and we got a little bit of that in the women's. We'll get into that. Yes, in the next segment. But, but no, I love stuff like that. I agree. That you know, so if he starts doing that, I don't know that he's ever done that to an opponent yet, though, has he? No, because I, I think, you know, everybody says he's a super nice guy. I honestly think all his antics are just for his own, to maintain his own interest. Like, well, let me see if I can see, execute this shot. I don't think, see, that's too easy. I don't think it is. I think it's, the all, all of his antics are a manifestation of his way of handling the pressure of a tennis match. That's yeah, it. but what I mean is I don't think he ever does it to mess up the opponent or disparage the opponent oh right right i got you yes so in that part i don't agree with when people say that yeah i would agree he's mistreating the other guy said he's just trying to work on trying to do his own deal he's not really worried about how it affects somebody else like that's not a strategy in other words right he's not saying let me hit this no look volley and the guy's gonna be so (laughs) demoralized that he's gonna it's gonna mess him up the next three points right so um yeah whereas mcenroe did do stuff probably partly for the reason to rattle the opponent maybe yeah maybe so anyway all right so is that enough of men's tennis always we really we really do it's not it's not just a thing we you know a bit we do to try to you know curry favor we really like women's tennis better <laughs> even though they're not as fast or strong or big <laughs> <laughs> and even though we always start with men's tennis every show uh, we yeah, but that's, women's. To, that's to get rid of it so we can actually, you know, have some real fun. So why Save don't we the best for last? There it is. So why don't we have some real fun with the best after the break? It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com. To get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right. Ladies night. Wait a minute. That's not what I meant. (laughs) Uh, So we had apparently a person that everyone on the... Uh, WTA just adores win. How fun is that? <laughs> so Ash Barty, apparently everybody it's loves It's always the him. Australians. 
Or wait, no, Kim Kleister's wasn't Australian. That's who I was thinking of. Belgian. What are you uh, talking about? I, was, I don't even understand. I what was you're thinking saying. it was always the Australians that people like, but I don't know why I thought Kim Kleister's was Australian. Suddenly, did everybody uh, like Kim Kleister's? Yeah, they wonderful? loved her. So um, they don't. Well, Serena's American. Like, uh, <laughs> you said likes. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, so, and but I'm sorry that final didn't do it for me in terms of star power. On who it was? Well, sure, that's all right. That's all right. I mean, look, first of all, I think Ash Barty does hold some interest for me because she's sort of been up and cut, co- not up and coming as to, you know, that downplays it. I mean, she's been right. making her move here yeah. over the last couple months or whatever. And so to see her, you know, achieve a big win, although there is no such thing as the mini hardcourt season, so who cares? <laughs> but whatever, it doesn't mean anything, but it's here. The spring it, swing. Well, isn't It's still a tournament with $9 million prize money, so... By the way, wasn't this schedule this tournament so much better than Indian Wells? They didn't have every match crammed in the last three days. It was, right. It was so much better. It was like a normal tournament. I think people get offended when you have one gender finish the Saturday and the other... But I can't think of a better way to do it. Like, to me, the greatest weekend in tennis used to be the Super Saturdays. I know, and I miss that. So um, you'd have a women's semi, a final, and a women's semi, and then you'd do the men's final the next day. Right. Well, no, they did They did both men's semis and the women's final, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because you had to play back-to-back days, and that's why they got rid of it. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, it makes sense. Saturday, you do the women's doubles and women's singles. Sunday, you do the men's doubles, men's, men's singles. Because you got to have two matches that people are going to pay for, I guess. And the mix is probably on Friday night. Who knows? Or there was no mix in this. They have mixed? No, what not in this. Mixed what? <laughs> mixed gender. Um, By the way, I will say, so you know my feeling about mixed doubles, but it only <laughs> holds at the professional level. Oh, yeah? So my opinion of mixed doubles is totally opposite from really outside pre-college so not you know just rec usta league all the different leagues and you know what really turned the corner for me watching me why would you steal my joke why would you, <laughs> you do asked that the question i didn't have i need to like have a signal for you rhetorical just to, question golly you're the worst you're the worst straight man in the business <sighs> yes and it's not true how about that how about that for a joke yeah, but what I've always said about mixed, and it held true today, is that you hate playing with women. Is that all the problems that come in tennis rear their head in mixed? Always, really. Like that's where the ninety-five percent of the conflicts I've heard about happen in mixed. So, women's doubles, men's doubles, women's singles, men's singles, no real problems. Rarely conflicts. Mixed doubles. Yeah. And are most of the problems coming from the men's side? Uh, I think it can be either because typically what happens is... Well, the only reason I ask that, and before you tell me the reason, let me tell you why <laughs> I ask that. Because we, generally speaking, are idiots. <laughs> and when are we the biggest idiots? Well, we're trying to show off for girls. That totally has a lot to do with it. But so when the conflict I see most often is the team that's losing, the woman is gets mad at the man for not playing better. Or the team that's winning... You know, one of the players gets mad at each other for, you know, trying too hard to hit someone or trying to. It's always when that sort of the line crosses when somebody almost gets hit. That's always the turning point. And then you once want to that talk happens, about unwritten rules, maybe mixed yeah. doubles has got some unwritten rules. Totally. 
Yeah, don't you know serve the max speed to the woman. Don't you know hit the How overheads of the women. Dare you, <laughs> sir? And it's like once one person does it, then it's all on, and oh. <laughs> and anything can happen. And it's so that's typically what I see. Quite interesting. I had no idea the inner workings. No idea. But it's just funny because in men's doubles or women's doubles, if you get hit, you totally turn around and you're mad at your partner. For some reason, mixed, it's you're mad at the other team. I don't know why that is. Hmm. So he, he didn't need to hit me with that. Because of the stupid unwritten rule business. Like I said, that's why I don't like baseball. They've got all these dumb unwritten rules that don't make any sense. Yeah, because if you were to ask that team, well, what rule did they break? Uh, well, no, they hit me with the ball. That's not against the rules. <laughs> You know, she served it. He served it harder to me than he than he did before. Oh, that's not against the rule. You know, you're totally right. But I agree with you. There's no point in having mixed doubles in the pros. I can't think of any reason to have it. Fun, but nobody's going to see it. Right. Nobody's going to see it. I'd rather them if they were going to do it, just do it as an exhibition. You know, for two days, just get make everybody play it. Well, the only time it's any good, I'll tell you. Do you know when it's good? The only time. Oh, now you want me to steal your thunder. No. Because uh, <laughs> you're not going to get it. Hingis, when Hingis plays. She's a baller, dude. She is such a baller. <laughs> no, the only time mixed doubles is good is now defunct, and we're never going to see it again. That's when the best players play, and that's, oh, yeah. Hop, and that's Hopman Cup. <laughs> Hopman Cup is gone. It's, oh, is that right? It's, it's official? over. I don't know. That's what Twitter said. <laughs> over. Well, and even that, the absolute best players don't always play. Well, Federer. But for the most, That's yeah. all. Just Federer. <laughs> but, well, yeah, then that we we like because it's singles and mixed doubles. So that makes a little bit more sense. Well, but the, the idea is that the mixed doubles, and again, I don't know how serious it is, let's be honest. <laughs> but seemingly, you know, I mean, listen, Pentich was taking it pretty seriously. But then again, if you're playing with who most people think is the GOAT, uh, incorrectly, <laughs> then, you know, I guess you do get fired up because that's kind of a, you know, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for anybody. Well, and if you lose, who's going to get the blame in that pairing? Exactly. Women can't, you know. What? <laughs> so, anyway, so, yeah, mixed doubles has got to go, except at the rec league. Um, that's not women's. Do- we're not talking about We're not doing our job. <laughs> so, back to women. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, I think the storyline – you know, you're you're not overly excited about that matchup, but I think I'm excited about Ash Barty being in the final and winning. And, you know, I mean, a handful of opponents would have been much more exciting, yes. Right. But I think only because of her personality and, and you know, her fight and, uh, you know, I don't know. I, just, I think she's fun to watch. Well, and in six months, she may be one of the players, top players we want to watch, you know. She may it's be. certainly possible. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want to watch her, but she's not one of the ones that I would want to see in a final, specifically. Yeah, you, you hate women's sports. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, and it was funny. We saw a lot of continuity between the men, between Indy Wells Miami for the men. We saw very little for the women's, which was kind of surprising. Well, I don't know if it's surprising. I think that's what we always see, right? And that's true from any week to another week. And And again, we say that in a complimentary fashion. Yeah, and a men's it really wasn't, I guess, except Federer. The rest were pretty different. So, what about storylines for the women? Uh, Osaka being number one in the world, not winning it. As a matter of fact, getting knocked out by Sue Shea, or Shea, yeah. or whatever. I don't yeah. know what her name is, dude. I know. It seems to change every tournament. And, and 
two things happen with her game. So Sue Su- is the Chinese Taipei. I think she's from Chinese Taipei, wherever that is. <laughs> it's the Taipei region of Chinese. I don't know. Chinese Taipei. <laughs> Chinese. <laughs> um, so she, uh, she's got a unique game style, to put it yeah. mildly. That's and, what you only call mine. Yeah, I call it lots of other things. <laughs> than so yeah, she slices both sides or hits two hands on both. She does. I think she has three to four different strokes on each side that she can use. Yeah. So anyway, so she's she's very crafty, tricky, clever, um, but a lot of people are not fond of it. So you have two. You have two parties. Really, three. I'm the third party. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. But you have two parties, two two. That's not real tennis, and then you have. No, that's people, my favorite. And then you have people freaking out about people that disparage her game. Well, I got news for you, Sunshine. Her game's not great. Right. Her game's not great. Yeah. But she is great at it. I yeah. would not teach any human person to play exactly as she plays. However, I would love for lots and lots of players to have elements of her game. Well, and my that was always my favorite line as an instructor when I would hear, or as in as a teammate, with somebody would come off and say, you know, he sucks or she sucks and she can only do this. And I'm like, well, you just lost to her. So what does that mean for you? Like, she does it. She does, And that's the only thing I will say is sometimes those players get credit for being like so strategical or so... It's not, it's not always strategic. It's that the only thing they can do. Right. There used to be a guy that's, in my club that would drop, shut, and lob every point. And I would say, oh, what a great strategy. That's not strategy. It's the only thing he knows how to do. Right. It's so either that's not a strategy. A or B. Right. That's just what he does. I it, wouldn't say it's a yeah. strategy. If you're way back, he's going to drop shot. If you're up, he's going to lob. Right. It's pretty pretty unilateral. All right. Let me clarify. Chinese Taipei, <laughs> this is according to Wikipedia, Chinese Taipei is a name... F- for Taiwan, designated in the Nagoya Resolution, whereby the Republic of China and the People's Republic of China, what? <laughs> Whatever. Lost recognize each other when it comes to activities in the International Olympic Committee. Hmm. Got it? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's clarified it. now. Nailed it. When well, she's beaten and challenged top players before, in Osaka, even though she's number one in the world, she obviously hasn't been able to see that kind of variety that often. Well, so you can understand her losing, in other words. Yeah, and it's a good matchup for Sue Shui Shui. You know what I'm talking. See, they about. used to say Shui, and now it's it seems like it's cha- or Sue Wei Shui is what well, they there used are, to say. There are a lot of countries that, and not just those in Asia, but there seems to be more countries than I understand where their first name is their is. You know, most people on the right. draw, it's first initial, last name, and the, and it's the opposite for, and I don't understand right. it. Right. I just don't understand it. Well, that was the, uh, who was the uh, Her- Chinese woman that won so many slams and kind of retired young? Yeah. She would, it would be very, the tournament, tournament which name they'd use yeah, for first or last name. And now I can't remember either, but. Um, so, all right. So she, so. That Su- was a big story. Su Wei Shea. Um is playing against somebody who hits big, which means now she can just use her power and redirect and put the ball where it needs to be. And she can also come in and put pressure on her at the net. Um, and she has a lot of time because, you know, she's not – the racket motion is not a big old swing like it is for a lot of people. So she can keep that racket right out in front of her and make decisions late and, and kind of move that ball around the court 
where her opponent's not. And it is interesting and fun to watch. It is interesting and fun well, to watch. And what did we say about that matchup last week? So we said that um, that her and Wozniacki was either going to be um, an absolute destroying right. or a battle. Yeah. Um, and it was a battle. Yeah. It was a battle. Well, and you know the thing about her game is it just totally changes the way the other person has to play. That's the, that's the difference. It can. She's going to play the same regardless. It can. Yeah. Depending on, you know, to, to me, an Osaka at the top of her game should not have to even be troubled with Suwe Right. I didn't actually see that match, so I don't know how well she, that, that no, Osaka... I don't think she's been playing well yeah. since the Australian. Right. And so, otherwise... You know, I I would think she would just knock her off the court. And, yeah, because the one thing she Shui does give you is that she does give you a lot of time to set up and hit the shots. You know, so if Osaka's got time to set up and hit normally, she's going to be able to finish those points. Right, and if you're and if you're pushing her back, then she's got way less options. So if Osaka is able to to push her back with power, pace, and depth, then Shui's got a lot less options. And really, that's going to, you know, you, if you're the power player against her and you're hitting well, you're going to be able to play way further up in the court, too. Well, and what always irritates me about people that complain about people that play unusually is that what do you want Shui to do? Just get in ground stroke rallies with Osaka? Well, it doesn't work for anyone else in the world. Why is that going to work for her? It, you know, that's what people don't. That's exactly why I say that I wouldn't say, hey, let's play exactly yeah. like Shui, but. Please, if you could, you know, add some elements of that touch, being able to, you know, turn your racket grip to that continental and get some underspin more right. and be more comfortable with that. Because a lot of ground strokers are not comfortable with underspin. Not at uh, all. Hitting it, I mean. Right. Not, not, you know, applying underspin, not dealing with, and really dealing with it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that was an interesting story. And she's obviously done some damage before, as we know. But And who did she end up losing to? Uh, Conovate in 7-5 in the third. Oh, yeah. So she had three battles in a row. Yeah. So, which, you know, I mean, that's what she does. So she's right. used to it. So quite interesting. So I guess Chinese Taipei is basically Taiwan. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, is it a story that Halep lost? I mean, I don't I mean, she kind of did what she's supposed to do. She made it deep in the tournament. It's kind of what she does. And if she loses late, then nobody's shocked but she makes it deep enough to stay in that top three ranking and she didn't lose to me i mean you know <laughs> she lost to pliskova so right. we're not talking about uh some awful you know she lost to the five seed not a huge deal to me the person that's playing the best right now of all the women is kvitova i just uh you know she's still racking up points from when she wasn't playing last year so i think she actually had a chance to be number one in this tournament if she'd won it so she's right. going to be in the running for number one for the next few couple months. Now, the problem is Clay is not her surface, but she'll have Wimbledon too. Yeah, but I think there's a lot less separation on the women's side in terms yeah. of surfaces than the men. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I uh, I think, you know, your, your and our point on the American men uh, certainly translated over to the women this week. <laughs> depressing man. Uh, depressing so canada right did you mention something about canada in the first uh segment well we didn't they didn't do very well in this either they had andreescu who had kind of flamed out uh but she made a eventful exit 
So you heard about that, I'm sure. Reference it a little oh, bit yeah. earlier. But you know what? So to me, so what you're talking about is the handshake with Kerber. Right. When Kerber shook her hand and said, you're the biggest drama queen ever. <laughs> and Which I have no problem with, by the way. Well, I don't even care. And furthermore, it, means, it says nothing about either player. And what really says the most is that Kerber sent a tweet out. That's what I thought was hilarious. I don't think it was hilarious. I think Curios's reaction to it was hilarious. Well, no, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah. So Kerber loses to Andreescu uh, after Andreescu got stretched out and all the rest of it. Which, by the way, she had one medical timeout in a three set. Or maybe yeah, it was two but sets, she lost to her the week before, and yeah. I, don't, I don't know if she had him there. That had to be related to that more maybe than this match. Maybe she does it a lot, but the bottom line is... These players at this level under a tremendous amount of pressure. That you know, a lot of work goes into everything, and yes, they're professionals. But at the same time, they don't know the outcome. Some win or lose, and so sometimes yeah. they lose and they don't handle it well. well. And she didn't handle it well. And proof of her realizing she didn't handle it well <laughs> was the text she sent a tweet out saying, "You know, congratulations, blah blah blah, whatever." I can't remember Bianca. What yeah, great and, job or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she and she added, you know, you know she at Bianca, whatever her thing is, BB. Um, and so, yeah, and that was her, you know, her sportsman-like reaction. The other one was the heat of the moment. She just lost, literally four seconds before. Yeah, but I think the tweet was totally for show. Because if you think somebody's a drama queen, that opinion doesn't change. You know, that had to be something that was building up, not based no, on no, that. It, no, no, no. It does change, and here's what. here's why. Because there's a great saying, other people's opinion of me is none of my business. Everybody's got opinions about everybody, about everything. Boy, do I have them about you. <laughs> but the, what I think about you is none of your business. Right. How I treat you is your business. And in that regard, that handshake wasn't good. Right. But then she tweeted out, you know, great job. You know, this is the normal, what everybody should do under normal circumstances. Here you are. But I think she posted that not thinking that anybody else heard what she said. No, I think, I think she, either way, it, she knew Andreescu heard it, heard it. Right. And I bet you she knew pretty But you're right. I mean, the fact that she tagged her in it does make it seem a little more legitimate, like sincere. It's like, sorry, back to normal. Let right. me, let me, that was... And I've got no problem with, with, you know, generally speaking, every now and again a player's emotions slipping out because it's irrelevant that she thinks she's a drama queen. The fact she said it out loud is the issue, and I think she addressed it with the tweet. And, and I don't know that she responded to Kyrgios. That if she did, I never saw. Yeah, and, and Kyrgios chimed in because he's a child, <laughs> um, you know. Said, why would you call her a drama queen then? It said, yeah, you he was laughing and said, you just called her a drama queen. Yeah. So, but that, but that's a perfect example of how he doesn't understand how reality works. Oh yeah, he's like, no, not everybody acts like a child, you idiot. Yeah, and she is, you know, she could have apologized to her as soon as they walked in the locker room. Who knows? Um, well, it's just funny that that his reaction is exactly as you think it would be, based on how you think he would act in that scenario. I, yeah. Well, and there have apparently been some comments about her that she's not the best, you know sportswoman or whatever but Who's, then who Andreescu. oh but then she retired the next match with injuries so i mean obviously she wouldn't be dramatic based on her injuries she couldn't finish the next match right so i mean that that gives her credit right there but uh 
I just thought that was a little bit of interest and exactly why I've said all along that they those players should be mic'd up at all times because that <laughs> yes. was great. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. And I think even during points, I don't. And here, and listen, and here's my you know justification if I even need it for that idea. When I just said what other people think about you is none of your business, we're paying them a lot of money, right? And by we, I mean the collective tennis world. We. Um, are paying them a lot of money and it's not just to watch them hit forehands because I could just go watch a video of that and be fine. Right. It's all of it that goes into it. The competition and sometimes the spillover, the negative spillover of that competition sometimes is part of it as well. And so that's why I can sort of say, you know, it's not a big deal that she said that, but at the same time, we need to hear that on a regular right. basis. I exactly. Like I like it. So do you see Andreescu as being a threat at a major the rest of the year? Hmm. How to answer that? How to answer that? I mean, I think you either say well, no or you say there's 20 people that are threats to being a major. Cause that's what I was getting at, but also I wanted to get at that answer without seeming as though... I'm copping out. Right. But I do think, number one, I don't think it's a negative, as we've said before, that there's so much, you know, depth on the women's side. Well, I think it's okay that we have it because of the way the men's is. I think if the men's no, was no, no. more variable, I wouldn't want the women's to also be variable. No, no. I'd want them both to be variable because I think they are variable in a positive way. I think they're variable in the way you want yeah. So when reti- when Federer retires and Djokovic and Nadal are retiring, there's going to be variety in the men's game. Right. But it's it's what pile of crap each week is going to win. <laughs> That's too strong. That's too strong. <laughs> On the women's side, it's not that way, I don't think. I think it's... No, you take out the top five women right now, you'd still have really high quality high semis quality and finals. High quality is the best way. Yeah, that's why your people think you're smarter than me right there. <laughs> So well, we basically had that this week. We didn't have either top five, no top five player in the final, and it was still fine. Yeah. So that that so in that regard, I don't have a problem with the variety on the women's side week to week, and it's hard to have a rooting interest. To be honest with you, you know, we're trying to pick Canadians, and really we're doing it because we have no Americans. But on the women's side, I don't miss it as much. I mean, I would love. Here's the problem on the American side: we got teased, right. So we had Sloan and Keys in the final. Wait for it. And then we had Americans in the the semis. All Americans all four, yeah. in the semis. What? And Is what that happened the since golden then? era of American tennis <laughs> for the last three years? Right. Yes. The, of the last three years, that was the golden era of the last three years. And without Serena, right? She wasn't even one of them, was she? Was she? I know Venus was. Venus was. Yeah, you're right. Nope. Because it was uh, Colleen. I don't know. Is that her real name? Coco. Uh, it was Coco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so you had yeah, four without remember Serena. Keys, remember Keys? They sat on each other's lap after right. Keys beat her. <laughs> that's what, that was Keys' downfall, and then she fell apart <laughs> in the finals. Oh, that was pitiful. But, you know, I think, yeah, we've had 25 women over the last 10 years that were supposed to be the next big star, and Sloan is the only one that's been even close. Well, I think flashes from all of them, stutters, you know, sputters. But I think if they weren't American we wouldn't have thought they were flashes agreed that's their only reason they get credit although when keys puts together or when she did put together a run the amount of power she has 
is jarring. And so you look at it and say, I don't care who she was. If she's hitting that big, that's right. going to be trouble. Um, but yeah, you're right. Sloan, I mean, obviously Sloan came through and won one, but... Because um, if you look at any quarter of a swim and slam, there's some player that's young that makes a run. And I'm sure in that country, they're talking about, oh man, she's the next big thing. We don't hear about it here unless they're American. And then it's like, oh wow, she's going to be the next player. And then you don't see him again. We don't pay attention to the ones we don't see that aren't American. But uh, the Americans we see all the time disappear. Yeah. Oh, so... Collins was the one that I thought was going to... She's not done yet. Relax. <laughs> no, I thought in this tournament she was going to oh. go deeper. Oh, I see. Because she lost fairly meekly. Well, this is a difficult game. It's an individual sport, as you well know. And so, did you know that? <laughs> And so with that comes ups and downs that teammates can't sort of cover up and, and, you know, sort of keep the ship going in the right direction. If you have a dip as an individual, it's all you and it's all down. Yeah, and you're not winning. And hopefully, you know, she can, you know, whatever the opposite of dip is. So. Rise. There you go. (laughs) That's it. You are smarter than me. So anywho. So what do we got? So. You're not thrilled with the with the final, but I, at least it's fun for me from the standpoint of the winner. Ash Barty was, you know, I was glad to see that. Well, and this is such a weird tournament anyway because it doesn't lead anywhere. Yeah, which, like Barty, is she going to springboard in the clay with supreme confidence because she won this? I mean, probably not because it's a totally. I mean, like you said, there's less variation in the surface with women, but I don't think she's going to go into the next tournament thinking that she's unbeatable. Whereas if the next tournament was a big, you know, hardcore slam, well, and wait, they would. And well, what about this? Wait for it. Who's even playing in Charleston? <laughs> Who is playing in Charleston? That used to be a really big tournament, right? Well, isn't, it, isn't the Family Circle Cup? Is that what it that is? U- yeah, it used to be on Hilton Head Island, which is where we spent spring break. Uh, I actually volunteered at the Family Circle Cup when it was on Hilton Head Island. Nice. Years ago. You know what I did? I worked in the, what was it? The Ruby Red. <laughs> was that a restaurant? No, it's a drink, you know, like grapefruit juice, but it's like Ruby Red grapefruit juice. Okay. It's like Ocean Spray, I think is the company. <laughs> they had a tent, like a sponsor tent. Oh, nice. And we just poured samples of Ruby Red hmm. for eight hours. <laughs> it was awesome. No, how, I didn't work. Is, for, we had like two hour shifts and then we got to watch tennis for the rest of the time. I was going to say, how much Ruby Red did you drink over the span of that tournament? A lot. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> See, I don't like grapefruit juice. I think, so I think grapefruit worked. juice keeps you regular or something. I don't know. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm not a fan. So Kiki Burton's is the two seed. Sloan Stevens is the one. So who's playing in this thing? Nobody. Daniel Collins. And it's on the green clay, right? It is one what um, other Europeans call the crap. <laughs> Our Europeans call I think crap. that's what we call it here, too. Yeah, green clay, American clay. Right. Ugh. Uh, I don't mind it. I, I started my tennis career on green clay, quite frankly. And I mean as a youth. Yeah, I've oh. never, I've been on it twice in my whole life. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter what you play on. You don't move <laughs> one bit. Yeah, true. There's no sliding when you don't take any steps. Yeah, exactly. So that's one tournament. And then we have an international uh, series again. I don't know the levels, but that's only a two hundred fifty thousand dollar tournament. That's in Monterey. So that's be lower oh ranks. no, not at all. Kerber is the one. Okay, and Garbina Muguruza is the two. Gosh, she's struggling. 
Well, she's a two seed. She'll be fine. And Azarenka is playing in that. I always love to see Azarenka. I hope she gets. Isn't that funny that just three, four years ago, it, you know, she was right in the mix, and then boom, all I know. that custody stuff, and she's just been a non-factor. And there's no way she's gotten that much worse, and it, she didn't get that much older. She didn't break a leg. I, I will say though, that's the one biggest difference. One of the biggest differences in the women's tour. Those women have no problem hanging around when they have no chance. Now, she's still relatively young, but like Kuznetsova, I think she may have just retired, but she was playing. Right. And they would always say, oh, we have seven Grand Slam champions in the field. And I'd be like, seven? Who are they? And it would list like Kuznetsova and somebody. Seven, yeah. 1991. <laughs> and I'm like, Grand Slams. they have no problem playing, being unseated and going and winning a round or two. I, I, you can't see the men doing that. Uh, some, I guess, yeah. Well, the the, uh, yeah, Ferrer, the yeah, highest really, ones, I mean. like Ferrer's really shutting it down, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's about the only one lingering, but... Yeah. <laughs> lingering is a fantastic description of what he's doing. <laughs> but he, he earned it this this Focus, week. women's tennis. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny to me. They will just stay and play, and they have no problem. And obviously, they can, until Federer, can play a little bit older than the men. Yeah, yeah. But... So, uh, yeah, any other stories on the women? I mean, you know, I mean, do, do you even want to talk about Mexico's a hardcore tournament for Pete's sake? <laughs> I mean, honestly, what are we doing? Yes, and that's even better. Now you got a clay court tournament and a hardcore going at the same time. So it's like splitting. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, so clay clay season starts in earnest next week, the yeah. week, you know, the week after. So, um, and there's enough, at least for the clay season, even with that little hardcore break. There is enough time to build up. It's long enough. Into the French. It's long enough, which yeah. is why they should push the Australian. Actually, they should push the French closer. Right. And then give a gap between Wimbledon. But again, nobody listens to us. Yeah, there should be at least a month between the French and Wimbledon. That would be nice. Well, what else you got? Anything? I think that's it. Well, that's good enough then. <laughs> well, as usual, thanks for joining us, joining us today on The Revolution. Um, Corey's been sick. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm sure you could tell because it was a pitiful performance, but no, couldn't tell Typical. at all. Couldn't tell at all. Um, I battled to come up here. I know you guys would. Yeah, I kept telling him, no, 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 you're fine. <laughs> Stay home. It's okay. I wouldn't want you to you know, feel bad. That's right. But uh, he's, a, he's a hero. He's a hero. I, I will. Anything for the show. Hey, that's the, that's the spirit we're looking for. <laughs> Anything, so you'll quit. <laughs> for the good of the show, yes. <laughs> No, as you as you have seen firsthand, it's a pain doing this by yourself. Yes, um, it is, especially when you do it while the match is going on. I learned. Yeah, I don't way. know why I'm lingering. We, I, I've got a button that says stop right here <laughs> and record. I don't know why I'm lingering like I'm killing time. We, we get, get more tur- money every second. Is that what record. it is? Yeah. You, wow, he worked out a different deal. <laughs> so, so I'm, yeah, I'm lingering for nothing. So anyway, all right. So as as per usual, get on our Twitter for no particular reason. Um, all I do really, that's not true. I tweet out, my, you know what my favorite tweets are? I, every time Prince Tennis sends out a tweet, <laughs> I roast them. I was about to say, that still exists? Yes, that's my part of my shtick. <laughs> so they had a tweet not too long ago that was, uh, it says something about some new racket line called like X Unknown. Hmm. And I said... <laughs> And so I replied to you know where I'm going. Yeah. And so I replied to it by saying, uh, "You've been unknown for the last 15 years." <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. Your name and your racket after your company. 
So they didn't uh, they didn't respond. I don't think they've blocked me, but they didn't respond either. So and I'm good either way. I just, right. I think it's funny. Yeah, you hate to true. miss those big announcements from Prince. Well, and here's what's funny. I actually would love for them to get back and be a major player in the marketplace. Yeah. I mean, that's a historical tennis company. So get it together, Prince. They seem to be staying at arm's length. Like they'll just release a couple rackets. It's like just go all in or all out. Right. Sell. Well, you. The the number one thing they could do, of course, if they really want to turn it around, podcast karma. <laughs> Get involved with the tennis revolution and turn your life around. I'm sure they will after those tweets. <laughs> well, I think they probably see the light now that somebody's really kind of shown them harshly. That's right. Uh, tough love. Yeah, tough love. So anyway, I, again, we're rambling, but that did... I did think about that. So, all right. So, follow us on Twitter. You won't see much except for uh, the episodes. I'll send out the episodes, um, the link to them in, uh, from time to time. Probably too much, to be honest with you, but still, time to time. <laughs> no, and that's, that's an easy place for them to get it. Yeah, why not? At Tennis Rev Pod. Now, I send the link out, but also we're on YouTube. And our YouTube views suck, but I never send that link out. <laughs> right. So I don't understand how it's supposed to happen. It's not. But do I want, why would I want the YouTube to kick it and compete with ourselves? I don't understand. Yeah, so, I think the YouTube is more when we get bigger. I don't understand how it all works. When we but, get bigger. Well, we had a listener suggest I do that. And so since I don't know anything about stuff, I said, all right, well, why not? And so there you have it. So at least we did it. It doesn't mean anything. We have nothing going, but... I put every episode up there. I just don't send a link out for it. Um, and then, of course, we have Instagram. I'm thinking more and more why, honestly. <laughs> we, we're at 115. Oh, we've risen. We're at, the followers are at 115. Yeah, but not that much because we were at, you know, 100 for a while. Right. So we're at 115. I've still, I've, I have... Stayed with my promise. I, I've stayed committed to the promise I made to Instagram followers that they will not get one single picture from me. <laughs> and uh, and listen, I've lived up to it. All we ask is for your loyalty when you uh, follow. Stay with us and we won't send you anything. Well, I guess we won't send you anything if you don't stay with us either. <laughs> I wouldn't begin to know how to find True. you. Uh, Good point. Unless you had all the people written down, that wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to send them a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take an instamatic picture from the 80s That's and right. uh, send it to them by hand. <laughs> uh, yeah, so whatever. Just follow us just because it's fun, and it's not really that fun, but it's something. <laughs> it's something. It's right. definitely something. Uh, what else we got? Like I said, we're on YouTube. We're on your I- iPhone app, your Apple podcast I app. Radio. Are we? Yeah, I told you that. What? Yeah. That's a big deal. I know. I was on vacation, and I just... Uh, I said, play Tennis Revolution podcast on iHeartRadio, and it worked. We're on Spotify. That's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Podbean, no idea what that means. <laughs> no earthly idea what that means. I don't think means. that exists. I think that's a scammer. Maybe. <laughs> they did want my social security number and bank <laughs> records, and I gave it all to them. Uh, but, yeah, they seemed like a... It seems worth it. Why not? Uh, yeah, so among other things, and the other things I don't remember, but... Uh, I bet you if you Google Tennis Revolution Podcast, something will come up. Right. Don't you think? Yes. Pretty sure that's how Google works. Uh, Yeah. So that's really it. Um, And that's all you've got, too, right? You've committed that that's all you've got. That's it. Thank goodness. 
All right. Well, thanks for joining the revolution. Until next time. Bye, guys. Pod Karma. Prince. Prince.